You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Megna Method, and I am fortunate enough to sit down today with operating partner of Living Story Nightclub and Komodo Restaurant in Miami, Mr. Dave Grutman. Welcome to the show, Dave. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. It's good to have you. Listen, I, I know a lot about the things you have done, but not actually anything about how you came to do them. So I'm really looking forward to uh, diving deep into figuring out how you got started in this business. So let's get right into it. How did you... Uh, decide you wanted to start in the nightclub or nightlife industry well it didn't start off just quite like that i was uh i came to miami beach to because <clears throat> i was gonna i graduated from university of florida with my finance degree and i was gonna go do title insurance i said let me take a year off because i'm from naples florida very metropolis city lots of action going on but before i went to that retirement home to, to start my life i wanted to take a year off and go bartend in miami beach no one would hire me on the beach because I'm a chubby Jewish guy. I don't have big boobies and stuff like this and, I'm, and, and whatever. So the only restaurant, I, the only place I could get a job bartending was at a restaurant in the Aventura Mall. In the Aventura Mall, what was it called? It was called Biz Bistro at the time. It's now where Bell Luna is. Right. And um, so anyway, that's where I got my only job bartending. The owner that owns the Aventura Mall and is my partner in all my clubs today. So that being said, that was the first you know, relationships in this world mean everything. And even back then when I was a bartender at some restaurant in the, in, in the mall, it still meant a lot to me. Right. So what was it like? What was your first experience like? You're a young guy. How old are you when you started out at this place? 21 years old. 21 years old. And what types of, was it a, a calm environment, chill environment? You're still exposed to the nightlife. So the nightlife in general is pretty different. So Yeah, no, not. Uh, this is a very calm restaurant in the, in the mall again. Uh, you know, I got to meet some of the most influential people in Aventura area. Um, but then the, the important thing to me was the executive chef was the executive chef at Le Cirque 2000 and the sous chef was from Balthazar. So I got passionate about food and hospitality and I really thought, you know what, this is my calling. And I asked to become a manager and I went from making a hundred grand a year as a bartender to making $33,000 a year as a manager. It's okay. Don't worry about the money. It's going to come. I sold, <laughs> I sold 80% of my company for $30 million. So it's okay. Don't stress about the money, especially when you're young. That's the time when you, it shouldn't be about that. Because at, that at, at that time in your life when you're young, everything's kind of a college education. So I think that's how you have to look at things. And that's how I looked at it. And, you know, it probably took me 10 years to get back to hundred grand a year. But it's obviously well worth it. And right. And it, was, it set me on the path of learning and being a leader and learning how to, how to get people to, to do things and work with me on things that normally would have more experience than me or not. I mean, I was 21 years old, and I'm here managing some servers that have been around the business for 30, 40 right. years. How do you do that? You have to figure out ways to connect with people. Right. Right. I love that life lesson right there. Like, it's not always about the money. It's about the education when you're young and getting the time in. I think enough... Younger people nowadays want to skip the process and skip the hard part, but the process and the hard part is where the education comes and where you like set your future in place, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, when I go speak at Cornell and stuff like that, and I talk to the kids afterwards, they can't wait to be the president of the company, and I'm like, there's a lot, there's a lot to do, you know. But that's how kids are today. The internet moves so quick and so rapid. Yeah. Um, 
but the good thing about by learning all the jobs yourself, all the people that work for me now, work with me now, know that I'm not afraid to let them go or if they're not living up to their expectations or what, the, or what we've expected of them because I'm willing to do the job myself. So right. once people know that and they know that they don't control you by you not knowing how to do something or, or not willing to do something, it changes the whole relationship. Mm-hmm. And early, early on, uh, Dave, were there any influential people i know i have i could always think about there's two people in my life who they let a serious footprint you know on my uh path so to speak any mentors that you can speak of that just really helped you along the way and you learned so much from them you know i can't i can't stress enough to people how important it is to get mentors because mentors have really they've climbed that mountain and they've hit the plateau and they've banged their head against the wall and they figured out you know these are the problems that i've 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 come through and and i've been able to figure out how to get through it and how to push through and if you could save all that time on trying to bang your head against a wall, it just helps so much. And I think that's really what a mentor at the end of the day really does. And what's great about mentors is, you, you know, you take little bits of from here from this person, from that person, and you kind of make it your own. And you take what you don't, what you want, what you don't want. Uh, for me, there's been several mentors, lots of mentors in my life. It's, just, it's a constant basis is, you know, at that time it was, it was a guy named Noah Tepperberg, still one of my closest friends. He owns the Tau Group and... And we kind of had a similar path, a lot, you know, in-house and stuff like that. Um, what did you like about Noah? What was his... So Noah always had a great work ethic and was able to combine nightlife and management and stuff like that with with what's going on in, in, in the world and how to merge the two together. Um, uh, he was more on the promoting side at that time, but, uh, you know, I'd go to him for advice on lots of stuff and... I saw that we had a lot of the same ethics. You know, it's really important that you figure out what your belief system is and what your ethics are, and you stay true to that. You want to have ethics, and you want to have a certain belief and, and way of you think that things should be done. And I think it's important that you kind of you know yeah. stay true to that. Actually, we all have our own uh, set of rules out of based on experiences that we we've, we've learned things in our past. That being said, you know, you said you have a set way of doing things, and it's important to pick your team. How do you pick a team? What types of people do you look for? What are the qualities that you look for when you select your team? Well, I look for that of more of an entrepreneurial mentality than anything. I want you. I want people to be like-minded like me that are trying to take ownership in whatever they have. Um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to have that kind of personality around them because they're afraid that they're going to take away from what's theirs. And for me, it's never been like that. It's always... I always want to have the best people around me, not because I'm insecure and stuff like that. I want to have the best people around me because it elevates me, and I'm never going to be able to get to that next level ne- Next level, if I don't have the greatest people around me as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's why people you'll see on my team could go and run clubs or own clubs or start clubs or do whatever they can with clubs on their own. But the great part is that we're, we're a team together, and we all help each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's something about dominating a market and dominating a occupations so. mm-hmm, absolutely so do you feel like your company and the people that work under you dave they really have uh or feel like it's a it's almost a family atmosphere as well yeah i mean listen everyone loves to say family family right, family right. and i and i hear you on the family and, and for me that's really not really my it's thing it's still I mean, business it's, right it's 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 a job it's work and we all have a, and we all you know we're around the clock doing stuff and yeah, you know, some of these people. I think it's important too, as a manager and as as a leader, that you don't get to be too close with that person because listen, it's going to be hard for you to, to, to terminate that person or to set certain boundaries and keep your boundaries if you're too tied in as a as a family member and stuff like that. Um, I know. Listen, if it was my mom or my dad that was my that was you know giving me my boundaries, I try to push the limits every every day. That's right. So it's just one of those kind of tight things. Now we all respect each other and we're all. 
passionate about what we do together. And that's if that's kind of a family, then okay, we're kind of I think of we're more of like a pack than we are as a family. Okay, understood. That's that's fair, and it's true. It does get a little bit saturated. Everyone wants to say family, family, but at the end of the day, business is business, and you want you have to treat it that way. So I respect that. I really do. Um, so you you're working in the mall. Uh, tons of learning experience. That's your education. <laughs> that's your that's your uh, uh, tuition, so to speak. And then after that, you make a move to uh, a place called Prezos. And at that time, that was more of a, a restaurant with energy and a vibe, and and had kind of a clubby feel to it in Avent for for Aventura. Um, did that, and that was Burt Rappaport and Dennis Maxer, some of the greatest restaurant tours I think in the, in the world. Uh, I learned the mechanics, the, the mechanics with them, which is, I think is so important. The operation part, you know, inventories and pars and systems, and how how it's important to be consistent, consistent, consistent. Um, and then I opened up a club. I became a manager of a club in Fort Lauderdale called the Velvet Lounge. And and as a as a general manager over there, I was not just managing, but I was also marketing and events and stuff like that. And that's where I learned how to tie in. Uh, other brands and companies and, 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 and tie them in with what, what I was doing to try to benefit from each other's marketing ability. Now, what do I mean by that? If I'm doing a launch for, let's say, a Versace Spring collection, I'm going to benefit as the club by taking the, how great the Versace brand is and pairing it with, with my brand and it enhances both brands, right? So events and marketing is really what I got into and sponsorships and, I, you know, all of a sudden these liquor companies wanted to give me some money for, to put their logo on something. I'm like, that's cute. So, you know, and I'm pitching still, I, you know, I would, I would pitch then for two grand or five grand what I would pitch for a half a million dollars when I started my marketing services company later on. Right. So it's still the same mechanics. It's still, you know, still the same. And nowadays, like you see so many people like want to rush to everything like we talked about before. They want to be the CEOs of companies. And you talked about there's a lot of things that go on between them. I compare it to professional sports. I was an athlete and everyone loves Sunday. They say, oh, I could do that. I could play on Sunday. They don't realize all the little steps and the torture that goes on in between. You've already told me about two things that most people probably never even heard of, but they see you at this beautiful restaurant with all this hard work or this beautiful nightclub packed with people. And they think, oh, that guy's just a huge success. He just showed up. And it always, I say, and one of, one of my favorite quotes is from Mel Streep. She says, you know, it takes 20 to 30 years to make an overnight success. You put so much time into it. When did you realize or have this eye-popping vision that I want to go uh, bigger or I want to take all my knowledge and really put it on the, uh, a higher platform? So after Velvet Lounge, I went and I ran Tantra for, for six years and I really made a name for myself in Miami Beach. And in doing so, a friend of mine bought a hotel here called the Sagamore Hotel and and he came to me and he said, listen, I want to, uh, and this is the turning point for me. He said, I want to, um, I want you to do a New Year's Eve event there. So I went and partnered with my friends from New York and stuff. And I had Fat DJ AM at the time. And Adrian Brody won the Golden Globe that year. And Shannon Elizabeth, which is very random. And all these different celebrities. And DJ Samantha Ronson, all these people in Jaguar. And I oversold it by 3,000 tickets. I ran out of ice by 10 p.m. <laughs> Jaguar was my sponsor, and people were dancing on the Jaguars, and it poured rain, and there was mud everywhere in this hotel. But by doing that, I emptied out every single nightclub in South Beach to where they didn't have a New Year's Eve at all. So, of course, what happens? Opium Group came knocking at my door and said, Dave, you emptied out our nightclub. This fucking kid from Tantra Restaurant came and emptied out my entire... I go, no problem. I go, I would love to take over the marketing and everything for for the Opium Group. And he, they said, well... We have no idea who you are. I go, okay, that's cute. 
They go, I go, but this is the salary I want. And they said, listen, why don't you do this? Why don't you uh, agree to this salary for one month? And I, and I said, listen, okay, I'll agree to it one month. But if you keep me after that one month, then you're going to pay me the difference of the salary for that month. And moving forward, we're going we're gonna to do the new salary. They said, yeah. And by week two, they were already, they were already sold and it was done. So I think it's also, it, it gave me that, it gave me a platform to take what I did on a, such a bigger scale. And, you know, I can't ever look back and, and thank those guys enough for giving me that opportunity. We later on open mansion and Privé and Opium Garden, and it just really gave me that, that level to make a name for myself. Um, but I was, I was, I guess I want to say, 28 years old at that time, right? Yeah, 20, yeah, around there. So, yeah. Aside from straight up hard work, I mean, that sounds like a, a, a quick, you know, incredible run, but there's a lot of things that went into that. Aside from straight up hard work, what was the secret sauce to packing this place? Uh, the Sagmore, you, I mean, you had a, a scene going on. What, what were yeah, some of the things you, that you made had, it happen? It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a puzzle. So you had the right promoters, you had the right content, you had the right hype, the right PR, the right marketing, the right positioning. It all adds up to a great event. People just think if you just, you know, today they're like, oh, you just book a DJ and you're slammed. Yeah, okay, but to to create that that money flow that that I do at the clubs. And to create the hype, and, the, and it's not just about a DJ, or I'd be a concert hall, right? So you have to create that party, and what makes a, a big spender want to spend, and what kind of DJ makes a spender come to your place over going to another place, and and by putting this table of of spenders next to this spender, is it going to ignite two spenders to, to to feed off of each other? It's all about layering and and and, and putting the puzzle together. And you have this place that's crazy it's jammed and i mean was this something that got uh you know certainly east coast recognition but I mean, people from la and people from new york are hearing all about this because this is a tight tight circle as we all know and they're coming down here to check your space out we're we talking about live yeah uh no not not uh, yet open, not yet opium group. group so yeah so yeah so that was great and what i was and that, that that's when the celebrity explosion kind of happened so what i would do is i would um I would go to the publicists because publicists make no money a year. They make like three grand a month or whatever it is from this client and that client. But they really control maybe six to ten celebrities. And I would fly that, that publicist in first class, put her up, and say, listen, why don't we have your clients come down for a great, fun getaway weekend? It'll be so fun for them to be in Miami Beach and da-da-da. And the thing just took off like crazy and exploded. Then, of course, you know, Las Vegas always being late to the party would go and go and then offer the celebrities crazy money and this and that and they changed the whole market so then there needed to be another another scene so you know, dj seemed to be the next the next big thing coming it, it, so you always have to look to see what what kids are listening to and doing to see what's coming out of the underground because that's what's going to become pop culture in the mm -hmm. next few years and was that uh something that you you saw coming around the corner or was that like a well, collectively let's, let's so so Doing so, I started my company MMG with two of my partners because the VMAs were coming. All these companies wanted to start coming to Miami and activating in a non-traditional lifestyle component, advertising-wise. So instead of doing big billboard ads, they wanted to do events and they wanted to, to have their brand cross with celebrity and PR and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I started my company MMG, and uh, the VMAs came. Of course, we did like twelve events that year, and then. Over the years, MMG just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and I started doing all the events for DirecTV and Victoria's Secret, ESPN, and we really uh, made a big name for ourselves in the event space. And so, in doing so big that that uh, the guys, the guy, 
the old owners of, of Cameo came to me. They said, Dave, we want you to do your own nightclub with us and the owner of Space. And I said, great. And so... And Dave, well, I'm sorry to interrupt. What type of uh, reputation did Space have before it this? Sa- it was the same. Same. Yeah, okay. Girls with scars on their faces. Nobody, you know, everybody out till like 10, you know, <laughs> okay. you know the whole thing, right? It's understood, okay. understood. It's okay. Uh, so I said, yeah, but the Opium Group, and I was and I was a little upset the Opium Group had not offered me ownership at that point. And I, so when I opened Cameo, I, I tried to do everything I could to hurt the Opium Group. I wanted to try to make a name for myself that way. And I failed miserably. When I tell you I failed miserably, I threw the kitchen sink at it. Christina Aguilera's birthday, Kim Kardashian this, and and I just fucking failed. Nothing I could do made it, and it was because of my ethics at the time. And uh, and I say it all, and I talk about it all the time. I, I I failed miserably, and I had to leave with my tag, wa- my tail wagging below and uh, between my legs, and went right back to my company and went started working hard on my company again to where. When Jeff Sofer was opening the Fountain Blue, he goes, Dave, I want you to, to do this nightclub for me called Live. And I go... Huge compliment, right? Yeah. And, and let me tell you, every club guy wanted that space. Thank yeah. God I had, I had built up the emotional bank account with my name from everything else I did for so long that, yeah, the failure of Cameo probably hurt. But, you know, it's, that's how important it is to have that emotional bank account with people. So once, you, yeah. once you reach it, you know, you can take a deposit out once in a while. Uh, and... He gave me the opportunity to do it. Every club guy wanted it, and they didn't get it. And so this time when I looked at it, I said, listen, I'm not going to worry about the other guys. I'm going to worry about doing my own thing, and I'm just going to crush. And they were like, you're on 41st Street. You're too far from everybody. 44th Street, you know. You need a passport to yeah, get up no there, no one's right? going to go up there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's going to be the first Las Vegas-style hotel in Miami Beach. And at that time, people were thinking the 50-yard line might have been where the 5th Street was. But the Satai and Mokai and the Shore Club had already brought it up farther up the road. To where I felt really comfortable with opening there, and uh, you know, knock on wood, as you guys know, there'll be VH1 specials about about live in ten years from now. Absolutely, and it's it's going on its eighth year, over forty million dollars a year. It's yeah. in the it's the only club in the top five that's not a Vegas club. You know, I'm not uh, the biggest club goer, but I do I have been there several times, and I will say that every time I've been there, it's been packed to the gills everyone's having a great time and it's uh it's a scene and a half so anyone i know that comes in to visit me wants to go to live so congratulations on an amazing success there um so uh after live well let me let me let me backtrack what what are some of the obstacles that you incurred like when when you started so when i started live at that time the opium group had every dj locked up okay and there really wasn't the explosion quite yet of edm you kind of felt the bubbling big time so the first year, but I was very event-focused then, so I, have, I had convinced Victoria's Secret to move their fashion show from doing it in New York or L.A. to do it for the grand opening of the Fountain Blue. We did the after party. That kind of set the tone and the pace for what Liv was t- to be. Um, Lady Gaga New Year's Eve, obviously, during her peak. Um, and just constant, constant wins like that for us. That you know, Through sponsorship and through, 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 through marketing, we're able to do events bigger than our space. And that's really been my... My goal is to always do stuff that's through sponsorship and stuff that's bigger than what I could. J-Lo performing in my club, right? Those are all relationships. And that's, I always tell people it's relationships, relationships, relationships. And I can't. This, my business is all relationships. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it works the same for many others. But Now, Dave, when you talk about relationships, I think uh, there might be a tie-in to what we talked about with the uh, you know, younger people or people starting out enjoying the process or learning the process, of uh, lack of a better term. When, you, when you're learning the process and you're starting off, I, I work with people that I've worked with for 20 years now, 25 years, right? So 
And that's because of my relationship. Don't try to beat somebody for a hundred bucks. Don't try to just fuck somebody over behind their back because you think you're going to get. At the end of the day, that stuff doesn't go away. And you know, listen, we've all make mistakes. We all do stupid shit that we shouldn't do in, in, in trying to succeed. But if you just realize it and you go back and say, "Listen, I made a mistake. You know, I did this or did that." But if your heart's in the right place, then ethically you should be fine, man. But people that don't do that, and I'm telling you, karma's a motherfucker. The other day I was behind my house and there was like four big, gross, ugly girls on, on paddle boards. And I walk over to the water and I take my camera to film them for my Snapchat to be funny. And I turn around and I tripped over a statue, hurt my foot, broke my phone. And I'm like, you know what? That's karma. Yep. So Absolutely. it's just the way of the world, man. And, 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 and life has a way of, of working its way out quick. And it, absolutely. I mean, karma karma is real. <laughs> it is real. And, um, you know, and, and also, you know, and how you, an extension of that is how you treat people and getting back to people. Following through, I think, is one of the biggest themes or one of the most troubled themes nowadays. Hey, uh, you're talking to someone, Dave. They want to be hooked up. They want to be set up with something. And you follow through and you make it happen because you told them you would. You don't just blow them off. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. Responding to an email, a text message, it's, it's, it's within one second. People are always like, they're blown away. But my team is like that too because let me tell you, if my team didn't answer emails and texts right away to me, I would lose my mind. And that it Thank gets you. me into the habit of, of that's just the number one thing ever. I always respond right away, right away, right away. Um, and I expect my people to. If I hear that someone didn't respond to an email or didn't re- – Within like one minute, five minutes, it's it, there's hell to pay. Yeah, you want to, God forbid, I mean, you don't want anything to happen to anyone, but if they don't respond in an extended period of time, you might think they're dead. Yeah, or or they response. might as well be dead because right. that's how I feel about them. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> well, with all this going on, how, I mean, I can only imagine the emails, the texts, and all of the setup work for your, your big nights or your big dinners. Daytime makes the nighttime. People always like, wow, you just show up and it's, it's like that, right? Like you said before, no. The daytime, the nighttime, it, it, the show's already on the road. The, right. the fucking car's gone. Right. It's left the station. Trains is moving. And to get that, that motion and, and going, that's all daytime activities. That's, that's not, nothing at nighttime. And how, how do you stay focused with all this going on? What are well, things listen, you, you do? Have, you have to have great people around you that keep you grounded. And there's times where I've, I've, I've you know, ventured off and I've, I lost my way and think I have great people around me that say, listen, you know, you're not committing heart surgery or you're, you're operating nightclubs and, and, and stuff like that. But, at the, but it's good no matter what it is. You don't want, you don't want to drink the Kool-Aid. It's always so much cooler and so much smoother when you see someone that really is grounded and knows that that's, that that's the place they're supposed to be. And, you know, right now in my life, I know I'm supposed to be where I'm at. So I think that's, that's great. That's a good feeling. Awesome. Um, so you go from live, and then your next venture is story. Uh, story was going to be amnesia. Uh, story was amnesia. I'm sorry, a brand new club coming from Biza in, in, in France, and they had the big name, and I was, it's a big club space, and people were like, "Live's going down, live's going down," and I was like, "Fuck, maybe <laughs> I should get on this." So I flew to Ibiza, and I made sure I stayed there for for two months, and I was, it was became friends with every DJ and. And every big table customer I spent that extra time with and and you know Amnesia opened and they couldn't get any DJs they could get anybody and nobody nobody would do anything and it was the biggest failure of all times and to the point where the owners came to me after a couple months I said please I have a daughter can you please just stop and I'm like I can't stop yeah I go yeah. but so we ended up buying the club from them Jeff Sofer right. from Blue and uh, and I got to take it over and um and for me, it's been the best defense mechanism I could ever have. It's it's an amazing club. It'll never be live. Live will 
Liv is going to be one of those, but it's a great, great club. And when it's done, it's given me the ability to, to fight off any competition that's, that's mm-hmm. open to Miami. Right. And you, when you took that over initially, Dave, was there anything that you knew you had to fix and you wanted to change up? Like we changed the whole thing. Yeah, everything, whole thing. Everything. Everything. From the tiles that girls couldn't walk on with their, with their high heel shoes because they were uneven, to the layout, to the, to the decor, to the – it was just not to today's. You know, Story is one of these clubs that it's, it's really on the forefront of what's out there for mm-hmm. lights, shows, LED, sound, the whole thing. And uh, – it's just a real fun club. And for me, I can't do small little lounges and stuff like that. I have to do mega clubs. Right. For me, it takes the same amount of work for me to do a mega club as it does for someone to do oh. a cool lounge. So you might okay. as well to reap the rewards and put your balls on the line and go big. Well, how many, what's what's the difference in regards to, uh, let's use bottle service girls, That how many are at Live and how many are at Story? It's about the same, but Live is open five days a week where Story is open three because Live is in a hotel and it has five great days and it feeds off of stuff. Stories, it's kind of an island by itself out there. Mm-hmm. It's, so it, it does three days a week. Okay. Okay. And um, do you see, uh, so you get certain DJs that will only go to live, or certain DJs will only go to story, or they both go? I mean, for the most part, they're just, I mean, they're, it just depends on the night, okay. obviously. Uh, so we, we, we cross, we, we, we counter-program each club. So if one's hip-hop, one's house. If one's commercial house, one's underground house. If one's, you know, we just, we counter-program it that way. Um and it works out well for us. Okay. Are there any, uh, you know, we, I spoke to, uh, as we both know, Mr. Randy Frankel, and he's uh, one of the partners, one of the owners of uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. They have a book called The Extra 2% and the extra things that make them special, that put them over the top. But they might not have the salary of the New York Yankees. They have maybe a quarter of that, and they're still very competitive and even beat the Yankees at times. Are there things that you do that you can speak to that really helps put you over the edge aside from the people and the yeah, relationships yeah let me tell you so 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 my team makes big bubble heads for clients and they make they find they go on the instagram and see what the client's really into and what's special to them and they curate a whole experience for that client around him purchasing bottles wow. which makes him pop off even more and more and more so let's say he loves the eye in london the the ferris wheel we had the big eye ferris wheel cut out behind them when we bring it out with a bottle or a whole bunch of girls on a ferris wheel thing or you know, we do the big bubble heads. <laughs> That's cool. So we were talking about the whole experience, and it's, uh, I think it's impressive that you guys actually do background work and you're searching social media and Instagram and finding what these people like. Do you have any stories about how you guys went ridiculously over the top for a client? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's many stories. <laughs> give, us one, <laughs> give us one story where it was, like, just ridiculous. You went over the top. The client was obviously thrilled. Give you one crazy story of where we went really over the top. Uh, the place is packed. You did it right, and you just did, you know, a handful of things that they were just like, "Holy moly!" This was the night for them. They loved it. I mean, one time I had David get in the middle of his set, put a put a song on, and go hard, and go have champagne with this with it with this with a big bottle customer and a girl that he was trying to impress in the middle of the set he walked across the entire room to come in and have champagne with them at the table I know that guy ended up like spending like $200,000 that, that night which yeah. was great that'll do it <laughs> that's enough yeah. so so he came over David took a glass of champagne toasted the, 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 the couple together had some champagne and then went right back and started DJing again nice that's right Man, uh, renaissance man or we had Calvin Harris DJ uh, you know a kid's a kid's bar mitzvah one time for a client this is before he's Calvin Harris now but <laughs> at the time he was still he's never going to forget that experience yeah. so alright so Dave you leave story uh, you don't leave story excuse me you're still actively involved obviously in living we story we have living story of course and then 
You go to? I open a restaurant, Komodo. No, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still they're still of my course, clubs, of obviously. And, um, Komodo's amazing. I've been to it. I want everyone to know I had a, a ridiculous meal there, so definitely go. If He's lying. You know he doesn't eat any of these kind of food from a restaurant. I, I did. I made an exception. Unless it's water. <laughs> it was good. It was great, actually. And the service was outstanding, which I was really impressed with, which is, as we all know, is very hard to find in Miami. Yeah, so tell us about Komodo, Dave. So, so Komodo is in Brickell, which is you know obviously the, the the area that's popping right now in Miami. For the first time in Miami's history, there's an urban an urban jungle, and uh, Brickell's it. And we're in Komodo's in the center of the universe at 801 Brickell, which is eighth in Brickell, and it's uh, a big glamorous restaurant. Seats about 500 people. Uh, Jeffrey Chatter is my partner on it uh, on the food, and it really has an energy and vibe that's amazing to go there on a tuesday night and see it's just packed with south beach people is just amazing to me or a wednesday or, you know of course on the weekends it's a two-hour wait for reservations so get there early but it's well, really been a really special special space and that for me that's been the challenge right so nightclubs i know exactly what to do i book a dj and i know this client's going to follow this and that you don't know if that's going to transfer over well for a for a restaurant and, and knock on wood it's it's done really 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 well and I think that's also an, another huge compliment and, and speaks volumes when someone's going to leave the beach because we all know people don't like to leave Miami Beach and go downtown for anything, but you must have something special over there if it's packed on a Tuesday. And then we know what the two-hour waits are like in Miami. And to wait two hours for a meal and an experience is something special. So way to go on uh, Komodo, Dave. Thank you. Um, so you're at Komodo. Um, where, where do you see your vision now, what what else would you like to do? Well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to create a lifestyle brand, right? So I want you to to eat in my restaurants, dance in my clubs, and hopefully sleep in my beds. So you know, the next <laughs> thing would be great to be is to have a hotel and be a lifestyle for for people. Very cool. Would that be on the beach? Are you open to everything? Would you prefer to do it downtown? I don't. I, uh, for me, I'm looking at spaces every day. Right. All right, Dave. Who is the your favorite celebrity you've ever worked with? Favorite Hulk Hogan. Why? Because his energy and his excitement, and me as a as a child, this is my guy. I I, I, get, I don't get starstruck around too many people, but Hulk, I still you know, and he's one of my close close friends. I still get starstruck sometimes. Yeah, he is a nice guy, actually. He comes uh, and works out of your gym. Yeah, he does. He's an amazing guy. Uh, worst worst person you've ever dealt with. That you, you want you out of doubt. You want to throw him under the bus? Go for it. It's Courtney Love. She was the worst experience I ever had before in my entire life. Oh. And now now that being said, I heard she's much better now. This was, oh, this was, she ran me ragged so badly to where she would call Saks and order twenty to $40,000 worth of clothes to be delivered and say, oh, Dave's paying for it. Or I was like, no, Dave's not paying oh. for it. And I walked in with her. This is during her fat days. She was naked and this and that. This is, ah. Anyway, uh, she was, the, the, to, to me, I, it was the worst thing I've ever I've seen before in my life. All right. <laughs> this is a uh, more of a speed round. So first speed thoughts. Round, let's go. Favorite food. Uh, the Grutman Pastrami Roll at Komodo Restaurant. <laughs> favorite ritual? My favorite ritual? Yeah, favorite ritual. Favorite thing you like to do that's quirky no one knows about. Uh, my favorite thing I like... Oh, you know what? People don't, I, I love Discovery Channel. I like to watch Discovery Channel. Nice. Get, 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 get. Therapeutic at times, yes. right? Favorite sports team? Uh, the Dolphins. Favorite athlete? Andre Agassi. Favorite movie of all time? Shoot to Kill. Favorite book? Uh, I have ADD. I don't really read. Favorite audio book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tales of the Fourth Grade, nothing. Okay, nice. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, pawn, shop, pawn, pawn Shop Show. Favorite, yeah, Pawn, yeah. Favorite pawn. type of music? 
90s on 9. Favorite quote. It's not all rainbows and hoes. It's not all rainbows and hoes. Perfect. We will leave you with that. Dave, thank you very much for being on the show. Much appreciated.